episode of the bitch ma ent podcast fellas how y'all doing tonight doing good i'm chilling man i'm chilling fresh cut all that y'all know the house rules make sure you follow like subscribe we're on all streaming platforms we're on youtube rate us five stars leave a review we're gonna get into it lamar jackson didn't get the franchise tag. He got a tag that gives him the ability to go talk to other teams. And immediately, like immediately, teams was like, nah, we don't want him. Teams that need a quarterback, nah, nah, we don't want him. We, we don't want no parts of that. What were y'all initial thoughts of seeing what happened with the Lamar Jackson situation? And do you think Lamar ends up back in Baltimore? I think he ends up back in Baltimore. I just, it feels like reading more up on it that why would they let him leave like this is their whole team right here and the way they were negotiating before trying to just deal with him and him only wasn't going anywhere so you put this exclusive tag on and other teams can come in with a contract and they can match it so why wouldn't they match any contract that he's you know given at this point because i mean the two first round picks is nice but i mean that doesn't always end up helping you in the long run so i think oh i think this is baltimore's kind of made a, a smart move in a way to get this thing you know negotiated a little faster a little a little more on their their time not trying to wait for lamar to make a decision or not you think if Lamar had an agent, this would have been done already, though? I mean, it would help. It would it definitely help with those tough conversations that need to be had that aren't, you know, emotional. Like, he's negotiating for himself. So, <coughs> it's like arbitration. If Like in baseball, when you, you go through arbitration, you have teams telling you why you deserve some money, and then you want to come back and argue for why you deserve more money. And that's kind of what's been going on with Lamar at this point. So if he had an agent, it'd be a little easier for you to, you know, connect those dots. For me, I think he got to call Deshaun Watson agent, bro. Deshaun Watson agent, the man didn't play for a year and was able to get a bid in war and got the contract that he has now that has every NFL owner with they panties in a bunch, like, nah, we never gonna do this again. 
he went to the right team, Deshaun Watson. He went to the team, the, the only team that was quarterback hungry enough, starving for a quarterback, right? They were going to be the ones that are willing to give a fully guaranteed contract, the first fully, fully guaranteed contract in NFL history to any player, but especially at the quarterback position, because they have a team that they think can win a championship. They were held back by Baker Mayfield for, you know, four years. And they were like, all right, we need to make a move here. And they went and made a splash with Deshaun Watson. And they were, they did whatever, literally whatever they had to do to get him. So Lamar is trying to match that contract and get a fully guaranteed deal. But it was never realistic because the second it happened, every every owner in the league was calling Jimmy Haslam an idiot, every, including his own owner, Bajadi, right? So um, what we're seeing now is just, a, a bunch of owners standing in solidarity with each other and saying, ah, hey, we're not, we not about to give nobody else a full guarantee contract and we'll, we'll die on this hill. We'll die on this hill. So Lamar ain't, ain't getting it. So we'll come out to the media and let them know we're not talking. We're not talking to Lamar. We're not interested in Lamar. We're not going, we're not, we're not going to touch him until he lowers his expectations. And really when he lowers his expectations, it's going to fall right back into the, to the hands and laps of the rate of the Ravens. Right. And that's where he'll end up because that's what that's they're gonna they're gonna sour the market to the point where that's where it ends up so is it wrong are they colluding yeah it is uh can you understand why they don't want to give another quarterback a fully guaranteed contract i i guess i guess i it's a low impact position although the way lamar plays a position he may be the one guy you wouldn't want to give a fully guaranteed contract to uh maybe he's the one person but he, he does a good job protecting himself so uh it sucks what's happening to him but it's very predictable and he's gonna end up being a raven because of it because you gotta think about it if any team comes in with a reasonable offer, the Ravens will match it, right? The Ravens are willing to pay him. They're just not willing to give him a fully guaranteed contract, which is what he's been wanting, which is what his mother's been asking for. If he had an agent <laughs> like CAA who got, or, or, or athletes first, and they asked for uh, a fully guaranteed contract, I, I don't think it'd go his way, way either, but maybe this is a more productive conversation. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think it's the fact that he wants a fully guaranteed deal and that's the holdup. Uh, it's and. and he's not going to reset that market again. I just don't see it. With Lamar probably going back to the Baltimore Ravens, should they be in the D-hop sweepstakes then to at least get him some weapons? I mean, they got Bateman. Granted, he's been injured, no fault of his own. But maybe you pair Bateman up with D-hop and really put Lamar in a position to actually, like, really succeed. Yes, yes, you should. Yes, he should. They should be in the in the, in the market for D Hop. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. They need a, another wide receiver. Um, you can you can see there's some tension on that team right now. Uh, I saw Bateman kind of going at the trading staff on Twitter, and he was talking hot or whatever. And and you know former players that play for the Ravens were talking about the trading staff and um, all that stuff. I think I think they're getting tired of the narrative that the receivers aren't good enough and that it's not about other th other things. Um, so hey, I mean, they need they need receiving help one way or another. No matter how these guys feel, they need it. And I don't see why you wouldn't be in the sweepstakes. But you know what? The Ravens have shown people that they that's not the way they operate. While they should be in the sweepstakes with D Hop, they've never really made a big swing for a wide receiver before. Not that I've seen, anyways. Um, they should be at the Odell Beckham workout tomorrow in Arizona too. And he's working out tomorrow. They should be there. Are they going to be there? I'm not sure, but they should, right? So it's interesting, but. They definitely, they definitely should be looking to surround Lamar with as much talent as possible because they know how it's going to work, right? The owners are colluding together to make sure that Lamar doesn't get what he wants somewhere else. So, you know, 
you know you're going to have him. So there's no reason why you shouldn't upgrade the team around him because if you bring him back with the same cast of characters around him, I'm sorry, you're not winning. You're not winning anything. It's not going to happen. To your point, in the NFLPA report card, Baltimore, to your point, got an F- minus when it came to their strength coaches. Quoted by the players in Baltimore, players do not feel like the strength staff helps them be more successful. The team recently parted ways with the coach, Steve Saunders. So hopefully it improves in that area. But to, to Bateman's point, which he tweeted and then, you know, deleted tweet, but everybody done saw it was part of the reason I'm injured is because of him. So don't, don't say the receivers haven't lived up to potential. So I get it in that regard. You mentioned Odell. Where do y'all think Odell goes? He's having the, his workout. He seems good in all the IG videos. And somebody might say his IG, but he had IG videos before he went to the Rams, and it looked looked good then too. He's a freak of nature, like freak of nature. Where do you see Odell going? And who who could use Odell? Sure. I think the Giants. I think he's going to the Giants. I really believe that. I'm I'm so serious. I think it's a perfect storm. I think the the the, the way they structured that Daniel Jones deal is a nine million dollar cap hit in year one. Um, they're going to give Saquon a long-term deal before his free agency starts. It's like widely reported that's going to end up happening because uh, no one's giving up two first-round picks for him on that non-exclusive tag, so he'll be here. Um, and that's his boy. I'm sure he'll bring Shep back in some capacity uh, too, you know, maybe the cheerlead or something. Uh, and, you know, they <laughs> and and uh, they'll, they'll sign Odell. I think they're going to sign Odell, for real, though. I think it's the it's the best way to do it. You don't, I don't trade, you don't trade for D hop because you don't want to give up the assets. You need the assets to build this team out. You have other holes and you bring in Odell, a guy who's familiar with New York already. Um, a guy who will thrive in Brian Dayball's system and does a lot of things Dayball needs right from wide receivers. And he comes in here with Daniel Jones on his new contract and helps him out. And you still drop wide receivers, but you just get this guy instead of trading for somebody right away. Right. You just get, you got to make additions and, if it's not Odell, they're gonna they're gonna sign a free agent wide receiver. It's gonna be somebody. It's gonna be a Robert Woods. It's gonna be someone. So I think they're gonna try to keep the tires on Odell and really make that happen before they go anywhere else. I think Odell, Odell to the Giants has got some real smoke to it. Across the locker room, when we look at the Jets, it's all reports are saying that A Rod will be a Jet. Now with with that being the news. How are you feeling about that, Miles, being the, the Jets fan? I've seen mixed reviews. I've seen mixed reviews from Jets Nation about not really wanting A-Rod and everything else that he brings. I mean, who cares with what he brings? If we win, then that's all that matters, right? That's the whole point of this. That's why we didn't really go after Derek Carr as serious as people kind of thought. Because what I think they were thinking is, yeah, Derek Carr is good, but we'll be in this position in four years where we're like, all right, now we got to plan for the future with him, which we don't need to wait four more years because then we have to pay Sauce, we got to pay Garrett Wilson, all these guys. Aaron Rodgers is ready to win right now with this roster, with this young little roster with weapons on offense, weapons on defense. Like they made a, a good trade for a, a safety earlier that cost them 
nothing. So that was one of our weaknesses. So I think Aaron Rodgers coming to New York, this is, you know, this is what I wanted. I mean, he'd be the best quarterback in the division upon arrival. Uh, yeah, I guess he got, he got A-Rod over Josh Allen. Uh, yeah. The way Josh Allen played last year, yeah. <laughs> he missed Brian Dayball. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's wrong. I think he's right about that. I think he's right about that. They go to the, they go into the conference championship with him as a quarter. I mean, at the least, like anything anything be, beneath that would be a gross failure, and he that'd be a major knock on his legacy if he couldn't get that team to at least a conference championship. Thing is, too, it's tough in that AFC. Like even if it's conference championship, he gonna see Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, or Herbert there. Maybe maybe Lamar. Maybe, maybe Lamar, depending on what Baltimore, right. Baltimore does, because they don't be giving that man help. And funny enough, offseason ain't really started yet. Draft ain't happened yet. Right. But Pittsburgh, who knows what they're going to do? Last year, again, we thought still was going to be booty, and Mike Tomlin somehow coaches that team. I told you guys before the season started that was going to be the case. I said he's going to go like nine and eight. They're going to they, they, – that's what they do. I said that. And Chris Cons- is talking about that trash. Consist- consistently. We speaking about quarterbacks. Combine happened, and we could talk about who else, you know, did well in the combine from what we saw. But starting at the quarterback, the most important position, probably in all the sports, Anthony Richardson showed up, showed out, balled out. Where do y'all see this going now for Anthony Richardson? How his combine went? Do y'all see him somehow? get to that number one overall pick or top two, top three. Like, how? what's the limit now for him in the draft, his stock with Anthony Richardson? Sure. I, I saw Texans could be a, a, a spot for him because D'Amico Ryan's coming over from San Fran. He's got ties to Jimmy G. So if you wanted to bridge it like that, you could bring in Jimmy G on like a one, maybe two-year deal to kind of, bridge that gap so you're not throwing Anthony Richardson into the fire. Because this kid, he's talented. Like, if you can mold that into, like, a complete quarterback, because the I mean, 41-inch vertical, 4-4 speed, throws bombs like no other. Who wouldn't want that? Like, if we're just going off of that, he should be the number one pick. But, you know, Bryce Young's still in the draft, and C.J. Stroud's still in the draft. So, there's a lot of quality picks, but you're going off upside and you're willing to gamble on it. You go Anthony Richardson. What's the, what's the biggest hole with Anthony Richardson? Because I hear that a lot. It's the, it's the upside and he has all the raw talent there, but what, what would y'all say is like his biggest hole, biggest issue with Anthony Richardson? It's the experience and accuracy. Mental processing. I think the long defense. I'm sorry. And I hate to say that about a black quarterback, you know, but he he it's just like I think he doesn't process defense as quickly as other guys do because he hasn't played enough. He hasn't played that as much yet. So that's just what it happens with inexperience. You don't see that it's like too high uh covered cover two defense or cover three or or you know cover cover one robber. You don't know, you don't see all that like right away. And it's hard to know exactly where to go with the ball and throw the anticipation to the right spot, right? Because you know what the defense is trying to do to you. So that just come and, and even like understanding the blitzes and how but that that stuff comes with time, and so I think you can coach you if the right coach can 
utilize his athletic ability to kind of minimize the risk of him throwing a football and throwing interceptions and having to read defense. But it's got to be the right place. And and I'm worried that it won't be because he's going to end up going top five. He's going top five guaranteed. It's a lock. I don't see how he goes any lower than five um, for real. And if the Seahawks would be a nice place for him because he could sit behind Gino for a while, learn from Gino, but is he going that low? Is it? No, I think someone's going to sneak up and try to get him. Uh, I think that's where we're headed. I think he's going to go really high. The most impressive quarterback in the combine was not him to me. It was CJ Stroud, though. CJ Stroud wowed me. I, I his his ability to throw and how smooth he was was unbelievable. I I would take him number one. I mean, Bryce Young is incredible, and you you between them two, you can't go wrong. But there's no size question with CJ Stroud, and that dude can straight up throw the ball. He has an understanding how to how to play, uh, play against defense. He's mobile as well. He re- understands and re- can read coverages at a high level. Um, I, I would pick him in a heartbeat. I'd pick him in a heartbeat. He has the confidence uh, as well as the, the swagger to him too. Like he's a, he, he, he reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow in a lot of ways. Like I, I get a lot of Joe Burrow from him um, as well. And, and, and neither of them are like super athletes, but they're just good, good enough to be able to evade pressure and, understand, have spatial awareness, know what's going on around them, make guys miss while still being able to keep their eyes on the field, make a great throw, um, throw off platform. I, I I love that guy's game. And if the Giants were to pick, pick that high, I'd take him like right now. Like that's, that's how I feel about him. Like for real. And, and I think I love, I'd love Daniel Jones. He's going to be good. I, 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 well, maybe we can talk about that contract. Maybe not, whatever. Moral of the story is I think that, I think CJ Stroud's gonna be special. I really do. I, I like him a lot. I think he's in, he didn't impress me at that combine. Nothing. He had no mistakes. There were no flaws. Anybody else you think really like got their stock to rise from this combine? Uh, the D lineman from Pitt, uh, Kalaja uh, Clancy, I think his name is. He's having to go top ten. He ran. He ran like a four. What four six? A four five nine, I think, at his side, he's like two eighty, which is ridiculous. Came from, coming from Pitt too, getting a lot of comparisons to uh, Aaron Donald. He 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 looked amazing. Uh, Darnell Washington, the tight end from is that Washington is that his last name? The tight end from Georgia. Uh, just the way he moved that sled alone, and then obviously then you have the Odell catch on the sideline. He he just moves with incredible grace and power. He's he's a great athlete. Kind of gives me Gronk vibes a little bit, kind of just just the physical dominance of the position, um, as well. I think there's a lot. There's a deep tight end class. There were a lot of great tight ends I saw. Uh, so I would be overstating it. The cornerbacks were great. The kid, good Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, was amazing, and uh, his drills too. Uh, that I saw. Who else? I mean, I think Will Levis helped himself too. I think Will Levis helped himself too. Uh, as much as a person who eats like puts mayo own coffee can help themselves. Hey, chill, chill, chill. He said that was one time. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> he's a he's, he's a psychopath. <laughs> but hey, I just hope for Darnell Washington that he gets to a team where it's an actual quarterback and a team that knows how to use him, i.e. Kyle Pitts. Super good, super yeah. athletic. He has all the talent there, all the skills. But he was in Atlanta. Marcus Mariota. I mean, come on. I I would have thought Atlanta would have been in the sweepstakes to get Lamar. So you could actually use Kyle Pitts correctly. Yeah, give him a guaranteed contract. <laughs> they might as well. They should. By the way, what's the good what you got to lose? You know? I'm saying Lamar proven 
product already. He already knows how to play with not as much talent or a rookie coming in. I'd have took Lamar, me personally. That that's just me. I feel you. Anybody stuck out to you, Miles? It's pretty much the same guys. Like like you said, Darnell Washington. Seeing him push the sled compared to the other guys is crazy. So any team that has a good running game, you take him, and that's an extra lineman and a threat out of you know the slot too. He's a mismatch. Um, like you said, C.J. Stroud, he has a good ball. He throws a really good ball, and I think he'll kind of he'll beat those Ohio State quarterback. They tend to say they're not the best in the NFL when it comes to, you know, being able to read a defense and not just single in on that one guy. Jackson Smith and Nick and Jigba helped okay. himself too. That three cone drill was legendary. Yeah. <laughs> the he time crazy. He didn't run the forty, but for him, it probably doesn't even help him to run the no. forty. So, I mean, I'm, I think he's gonna run it at the pro day, but. I'm sold on that guy. Like that guy's gonna come into the league and either slide or outside. He's gonna make plays. Yeah, I wonder if you can put him outside. That's kind of the question I have about him. But I, I think like people, I've heard the comp for him is like Cooper Cup or something like that. Um, so you can play outside if you Cooper Cup. You know, uh, he's in, I, honestly he's a receiver. I, I hope the Giants can luck into late in the first round. I'd love for that to happen. Uh, Addison got hurt, but he looked pretty good when he was out there too. Um, that's all he got. He got hurt pretty early on, though. But there were a lot of guys who look good, man. This is a good combine altogether. Again, million tight ends. You need tight end this year. Uh, I mean, you, you can get a tight end like late, and he's gonna be he could be a star. Like uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa. There's a lot of names, guys. There's a lot of names. Mayor from tight from Notre Dame. There's a lot. So I'm interested in those tight ends. Those guys are. All my radar as well, and the linebacker position too. Uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa, and a lot of guys that I'm. I mean, I'm looking into for sure. So I'm locked in. It's draft. It's draft season. Nolan Smith too. I almost forgot about him. He. Yeah, he, yeah. The D line when he ran like a four three. That was. Yeah, that's crazy. That crazy. That's crazy. That's sick. Before we talk basketball, because you brought it up, and it's funny you brought it up because I was watching somebody's radio show. She's a Giants fan, and she uh, was not on board for the contract that Daniel Dimes got of a million. Um, mm-hmm. Think about the contract. You on board for it? I I comment. I told I told her this this is the market though, and th- this is the market. And if we really think about it, three to five years from now, him, Geno Smith, and whoever else signed within that same time, that same bracket of price. It's going to be a still really in three, five years, because if you really think about it in three, five years, it's going to be 15 to 20 quarterbacks that's getting paid $40 million a year. I mean, in three years, he won't even be here because it's really like a two year deal. So, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> hey, about it. Hey, 82 million guaranteed. It's a three year deal. It's a three year deal for 112 is how it works out, which actually works, works out to $37.5 million annually. The the third year is kind of a team option, but it's an 18. If they cut Daniel Jones, it's an $18 million dead cap number. If they cut well, Daniel think, Jones I year four. Then, I think by then you'll have an idea if he's the guy or not. For sure. Well, I, I think this, I think here, I, I'm going to get to that. 
because he, he's taking me off the logistics of the, of the contract. I want to explain the contract to the listeners so they can be a little more informed, right? So if they cut them and him in year three, it's an $18.18 million cap hit, which is not that bad. If you could do it and stomach that loss. The, the year after that, the year after um, year four, it's like there's no dead cap. It's like a million dollar loss in dead cap. So they could just cut him with no repercussion. But um, the, the contract itself, I have no problem with. I have no problem with the incentives. I have no problem with the deal itself. As everyone knows, I'm a Daniel Jones believer. But here's the thing to me that's very weird about the Daniel Jones conversation that's been happening lately. There have been three coaches and two different GMs that have rolled through here while Daniel Jones has been the quarterback of the Giants. All of them swear by Daniel Jones, yet the public thinks this guy sucks. It don't make no sense. So people who love football, even James Bradbury, who played here last year and had no reason there was no, there was no reason for him to say like he could have said whatever he wanted. Said no, they, he's a franchise quarterback. Bring him back. Guys who play with him, guys who coach him, coaches around the league, GMs, Joe Shane who had no reason to 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 even want him. Joe Shane didn't give him the fifth year option, right? Joe Shane said I wasn't even sure when I came here we were going to do. I really wasn't. Like they all fell in love with the kid. They they want to they want to invest in the kid long term. They see something in him. They think he could be a franchise quarterback. They think he could be, they think he can be a top 10 quarterback in the league, right? But I'm supposed to listen to, to do it on Twitter or do it on, 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 or, or it, yo, these ESPN pundits are idiots, man. They're, they're idiots. Stop going in there, man. They, they, they just do, I'm listening to Stephen A. Smith talking about it. Yo, you don't know what he's talking about. They don't watch the Giants play. I, to look at people who watch the Giants play. I'm telling you, Daniel Jones can be a top 10 quarterback in this league. And I think he's going to hit his full potential with Brian, but Brian Dayball, but Brian Dayball is his coach, the, the genius himself. I'm, I'm supposed he, this isn't going to work out. He's going to be here in years three and four of that contract. And it's going to be a steal. They're going to, they're going to be reading up his contract, bro. I'm telling you, it's going to work out You know, I, for real. Like the, the, the Daniel Jones thing to me, I, I thought this deal was, was, incredibly fair i think joe shane was made it a team friendly deal actually if you really know the ins and outs of the contract you hear 40 million dollars a year and your, your antennas go up but it's 37.5 million dollars a year there's team and there's outs for the team right they protected themselves in case things don't go their way but trust me you don't invest that money in that guy if you have questions about him brian demo wants him and he thinks he believes in him and thinks he can be a franchise quarterback who am i to say he won't be well, I know more than Brian Dayball. And as you watch, as people watch these clips, do you know more than Brian Dayball? Shut up, Miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, unless you know more than Brian Dayball, man, I don't want to hear it about the contract. The, the Giants did a good job, and um, they're going to they're gonna pay Saquon, too. He'll get paid. They'll take care of him. Uh, and they're going to get him weapons. They're going to go after Odell hard, right? They're going to go. Now we're going to get to see the team really be constructed and built up and really get to see what Daniel Jones is all about. I think people, he's going to surprise a lot of people, which is weird because if you watch the Giants play, he's flashed the ability to throw the ball to all parts of the field. So this idea that he can't is very strange to me or that he's just a running quarterback. But, you know, people are weird, man. They don't watch the sport, but they want to talk about it. Everybody, everybody want an opinion. Like, give me a break. That's why this podcast. Just come to the bench mob and you get your opinions from here. You sound smarter in conversation. You don't sound like an idiot. It's a lot of money for a running back. See? See? This is a problem. You could be, people come here and they hear this shit. <laughs> The Jets, would have, the Jets would have been on him if we had, if he had gotten the free agency. The Jets would have been on him in a heartbeat. Unless I mean, unless if they were to get Aaron Rodgers, no. But imagine they couldn't. They would be calling up Daniel Jones right away. 
offer up the same contract, maybe more, more money. You mentioned the, you mentioned the pundits. You mentioned ESPN, which I think you know is a perfect transition to conversation of. We all saw Kendrick Perkins, JJ Reddick got into a little heated debate. Do you think Kendrick Perkins though had a kind of a a, a, a point, some validity to that? There might be racial bias in the MVP voting. I'll say two things, and y'all got it. One, JJ got to chill out. Like, he really got to chill out. Like, you guys work on the same team. Thank God we ain't never had that on our show where Greg is yelling at Miles coming like wreck. Like, JJ got to chill out. This is not the old man in the three podcast. You are at work for ESPN. Calm down. And Perk is a thousand percent right. And JJ proved it by having such absolutism in his answer that it could not be any possibility in the world that there was racial bias. You having that viewpoint speaks to the point of there, there's a possibility. There is a hundred percent a possibility. And only, only white people say, there's no way it could be racist. The only white people say that. Only white people say that. Yeah. So JJ, uh, uh, and you didn't listen anyway. Kendrick didn't say they were racist. Somebody could have racial bias and not be racist. Yeah. But you and, know, and again, shame on ESPN. Going to have the next day, Molly Curum talking about some. Uh, Kendrick had the wrong statistic. He said, what, 80%. The actual percentage is 68%. Whoa, he was off by 12 points, which means still the majority of the voters are white. Oh. Kendrick, he does go too far. But if I'm Kendrick, bro, you got it. How many times I got to give you a butt to kiss? You need to go work somewhere else, bro, because this is ridiculous. It, 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 white people don't like anything more than being even being hinted at. Like, even you hinting at them being racist. Like, if you if you even get close to calling them racist, they lose it. They blow the top. Just a thing, right? Uh, so, JJ's reaction wasn't surprising at all even though even though it wasn't directed at him you saw how sensitive he got about it right um the standard for white mvps in the league have always been substantially less in my opinion than they have been for black mvps in this league and there have been more black mvps right because the league is black dominated uh right but um the steve nash steve nash should have never won two mvps all right like that should have never happened I'm sorry, and you can point at racial bias on that one. I, I can't do it. I can't because the reality is, if you look at the way the NBA is and the history of the NBA with the way they embrace white stars, they always lose their minds over white stars. I mean, it started Larry Bird, and, and even before that, right? But Larry Bird's a great example of just the way white people rallied around Larry Bird, right? Uh, no one's better than Larry Bird. Listen, if you hear the way Mad Dog Russo talks about Larry Bird when he's on his first take, it's really interesting. I mean, he thinks that Larry Bird is like a top three player to ever live. It, it is insane the way he talks about Larry Bird, okay? Larry Bird don't think he top three all time, my guy. Like, you know what I mean? Um, Larry Bird don't think he's better than LeBron. You don't, don't think that, you know? Please, if you think that he has dementia or something. But uh, 
so you know there's that and then you look at the Luca hype even today right because it's eerily similar right like the way we talk about Luka Doncic but we don't talk about his his flaws right like Luka Doncic is, is just a white Slovenian version of James Harden you really think about it it's all he is with the, he's a better passer but that's it he is he is a white so he's performed better in the playoffs than Luke than, than James Harden did. I'll, I will give him that. He is special. He is special. Like he he should win an MVP at some point in his career. But it, the way we rally around, I mean, Jokic for example, too, right? Like Jokic could win through his third MVP in a row. Jokic can't guard a pole. Jokic can't guard a pole. Teams attack him down the stretch of games, right? And that's the MVP over guys like Embiid. Embiid, Embiid is the better player. I I, I really believe that. You know, I think Jokic is a better passer uh, and he makes his team teammates better in a way that Embiid doesn't, but you can't, Embiid's not a liability in any way on the court. And so for me, that makes Embiid a better basketball player, even though he doesn't make his teammates better in the same way. Does that make sense? Like in the playoffs, I don't worry about Embiid being a liability on the stretch of games, but Jokic, you could literally sub him out offense for defense, defense for, you know, like, or defense for, you know, for defensive purposes, you can get him out of there. So, um, there, there, there just is a different way we kind of move the goalposts for white MV, white superstars in this league versus the way we move the goalposts for black superstars. There's a way we, you know, there's this different standard we hold them to uh, as well, right? We saw the way the, the standard LeBron's been held to is unprecedented and probably not a fair one. It, no, extreme, def, definitely not a fair one. But there's been never been a white player held to that standard ever, ever before. Never, right? Um, so there's racial bias and everything. JJ was dead wrong about that. There, of course, there's bias in the MVP voting. If there wasn't bias in MVP voting, LeBron would have 12 MVPs because he would have deserved them all. So there's bias. Like there's there's just there's general bias and there is racial bias. When there's a white guy who's up for that award, he gets he gets propagated. We push him forward. It's just the way it works. Dirk, uh, as great as Dirk was, Dirk, right? Uh, Steve Nash, Jokic, Jokic, it, it, definitely. We're pushing in a narrative there for sure um as well and i think he's great but again you can't guard anybody that has to matter in mvp conversation you can't guard a thing if i get him on an iso on an island i'm killing that man i'm killing him me like he can't guard anybody so it's it's problematic it's definitely problematic but you know jd did nothing different than any but any what a, what a lot of white people do when they hear that racist word it, it seems to it seems to uh, trigger them in, in that way. So I'm not surprised. Did you have any uh, thoughts on this, Miles? On this, I mean, not really. I mean, you could kind of see where both guys are coming from to a point, to an extent. Like, yeah, JJ took it a little too personal, which, of course, I mean, he's one of, one of the white media members that probably directing that at but um, you know, I think yeah there's there's a little bit of racial bias when it comes to some of these things but I mean to say Jokic doesn't deserve the MVP I mean that would kind of be far-fetched I think he's been you could argue LeBron's the best player every single year but like Jokic having to do this with, you know, Michael Porter Jr. missing games, Jamal Murray missing games, and all these guys on his team missing games, and he still, you know, keeps the boat afloat. And they've been in the top two or three 
in the West for the last like three years at this point. So, I mean, he should get it again. He deserves it. But then there's going to come a point where I think that they're going to get tired of giving it to him, kind of like they did with LeBron. And yeah, with just LeBron, I was going to say there's nobody else who really was winning it consistently like that. So. MJ, they gave it to they gave it to Charles Barkley that one year, just off of you know being tired. But the thing that's annoying though is like that conversation was had at the beginning of this year for Jokic, like oh are they gonna have you know by you know they're gonna be tired of voting for him, and then now we're back to having this conversation where he's gonna win again, which I could agree on that regard. Does he have the stats to win MVP again this year? Yes. But the thing that I think is the issue from what Kendra Perkins views and others that they are making it seem like it's a runaway that Jokic is definitely with no discussion, the MVP, Joel Embiid. He's averaging the most points ever by anybody that's not named like MJ, LeBron, Kobe, like in the last 40 years. And they're winning games. They got Still winning games. They they got 43 wins, which is only three wins behind what the Denver Nuggets have. Giannis, 47 wins. They have more wins than Denver. Why isn't he in the conversation? Why is it just so flippantly that Jokic is definitely the, the MVP and he's running away with it? And then we're not going to mention at all Giannis. Who's the other person? And B, and then you can even put Jason Tatum in the mix. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's in this regard, if we're talking about, because the the thing was, oh, they're number one in the in the West. The number one in the East. Is that, are they number one in the East? No, I'm talking about Denver. Denver is number one. Oh, in the oh West. okay, okay. I think you're comparing them to Jason Tatum, and that you're making the case. Yeah, okay. I, you know I, what I'm saying, like, because they keep they changing the goalpost up. Because last year they he won as a six seed. Moses Malone, Moses Malone, and Russell Westbrook are the only other players to ever win MVP as a, as a six seed. I mean, you didn't give Bron the MVP in 2018 when the Cavs succeed, and he's playing with a corp, well, with the uh, the Kevin Love's corpse as his second best player. You know, what I mean, I I just you know, and I get it. It's Bron. It's not a fair comparison. Whatever, blah blah blah. I just I just I struggle with the Jokic thing because I understand the offensive ability and how special he is as a passer and as a player overall. But his defense is ugh, it's horrible. It's so bad. And and the thing is, we all know in the playoffs they're going to get washed. We just know someone's going to see them and someone's going to beat them down. And I think if the Lakers saw them in a, in, a, in a playoff series, it'd be their worst nightmare because AD would have his way with them. I really believe that, truly. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's it, – look, there's racial bias. All right, we talk, that's where we started. That's where we're going to end. There's racial bias in everything people do. And there's bias in everything people do in general. But it's, especially with the way guys will vote in these these awards, I believe there is racial bias. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's conscious. It's a, it's a conscious thing they do. I don't think they go, oh, he's black. I'm not giving him the award. No. But I think what what it really happens is, oh, look at this white guy. Damn, you know, is this white guys in it? Like, you know, I mean, every time the white guys in, is wins the MVP of the NBA, let's 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 see if we can you know find a reason to give him the award. Kind of like situation. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't trying to. It's just the truth. It's just the truth, man. I'm, I'm you know. Um, I really, I really believe that. I really believe that uh, as well. Right. To your point, we ended off with this. Giannis and Embiid control the game on both sides of the court. Right. 
You make a strong case for those guys. Those guys do it both ways. Since when does the MVP not have to play defense? That's what I don't understand. I mean, Steve Nash is, didn't play defense. The Suns didn't play defense. But I just don't get we, that. We love, we love two-way players in every other instance. All right. When they have the conversation of who's the best player, they always they never bring Jokic in that conversation. No. Everybody that they mention in the air is like, yo, they play both sides of the court. But Jokic is going to win MVP for a third time in a row. Most invaluable, most improved player. Hopefully there's no Knicks bias here. Who's the most improved player? Macau <laughs> uh, Bridges. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He hasn't put it enough. Yeah, he's no long enough. I'm he going didn't... SGA. Oh, it's got to be SGA. It's got to be SGA. I mean, I, I didn't even think to – I didn't even – I wouldn't have said his name. I'm serious if you hadn't said that. But SGA has been – he's taken the biggest leap of any player in this conversation. G- Jalen Brunson was already great before this last year right he was great he was he had 40 balls in the playoffs he was getting 20 balls up the season you knew what he could be he, if he got out of Luca's shadow you knew but the SGA thing man his his expansion of his game and his ability he's an MVP type guy uh, eventually he's he's kind of just on that precipice uh making the all-star team he's special so I, I'm a, I'm a good SGA too I'm not even gonna argue with you about it I ain't gonna think of no other names but you know, share show Jalen Brunson love. I know you're gonna do it, Miles, and you should. I mean, SGA, yeah, he's averaging a lot more than he did last year, but he still averaged over 23 points a game for the last three years. So it's not exactly like, you know, he he's not averaging 40 or anything like that. So like Laurie Markkinen, he's first time All Star, went from averaging like 14 points with the the Cavs to. Now he's averaging what, like 22, 23 a game for the Jazz, who coming into the year, you're expecting them to kind of just coast. Like everybody's expecting them to tank and go after Wembenyama, but they've been pretty competitive, to say the least, for a team that traded off their best assets in the last year. So I think he should get it over, let's say, Shea. I'll go ahead and give it to him just off the strength of when you look at most improved, I don't think players like Jalen Brunson and Lori should be at the top of list because they got bigger roles. So it's expected in a sense to, for you to, for the numbers to look better. You're in a bigger role. You're on a completely different team. That's how I view it. SGA got a seven and a half point jump. The Thunder are actually in the playoffs. I'm going SGA. Laurie definitely is in the conversation. Jalen Brunson is definitely in the conversation. I just, maybe it's just me. From what I thought of them being in new places, to Greg Point, Jalen Brunson has been Hemothy. He just was in Luca's shadow. Boom, you're in the Knicks, and you're basically the number one slash number two option, depending on how Randall is playing that night. That's who you are. Lori, you're going there. That's your team. Whether they tank or not, that's your team. You do whatever you, you could do whatever you want. You got the Julius Randle green light over in Utah. It's expected them numbers to be better. That's just how I view. I think SGA is just incredible. It's all I, I, I lean that way, but I, I there won't be between Lori, Jalen, and him, there's no wrong answer for me i think you can go a lot of different ways with it but i think sga for me is the guy 
That's the way I see it. They, they all are deserving. All of them. I'm sorry. I got a notification that uh, Dylan Brooks came out after the game, being, of course, that they won. He says he knows he's a better player than Draymond Green. Um, hmm. Made me laugh a little bit, but I like it. I like having some rivalries back in the NBA. Everyone hates I love it. You got Draymond got beef with Dylan Brooks. The Warriors and Grizzlies don't like each other, period. As a whole, they don't like each other. And then you got, which was so beautiful to see. I like having rivalries in the NBA. Dallas and Phoenix hate each other. They hate each other. And that game on Sunday, great game. KD is, again, we know who KD is. There's never been a question about his talent. Devin Booker, him and Luca got beef on top of beef. Kyrie going at CP3, then Kyrie going at D-Book. I love having that back in the league. And you talk about the Suns. Everybody's picking the Suns. I want to know, do y'all have a different pick? Or do y'all have a different mindset, being that now KD is out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury that most didn't think? We watching it, and I'm watching NBA TV. All of the analysts are like, yeah, he'll be back. Because he worked out after the injury. He's out now for the rest of the season and could miss part of that first round. The wonderful thing about the thing about what KD does is KD goes to teams that are already very good nine times out of ten. So Phoenix was going to hold their own water anyways, and they were probably going to climb the, the rankings. You saw D-Book had like 44 in like 20 minutes the other night. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll hold their own. They'll get in probably around the fourth or the fourth seed or three seed in the in the Western Conference. I'm not sure exactly where they are now. Um, probably towards the top half of that of the conference, though. They're gonna keep winning games. I four seed, right? So they'll they'll kind of maintain or they'll they'll climb, but they'll be where they'll be where they'll need to be getting into the playoffs um, as well. And so if K, you know, when KD comes back, I think they're the favorites. I think the way that KD plays with Book, they play off each other beautifully. I think. KD plays with book more effortless, effortlessly and it works better than it did with with Kyrie because D book lives in that mid range and lives in the paint and can kick out to KD and KD gets to attack closing defenses um, as or defenses that they close out. So it, it really works wonderfully. Their games are really just beautifully paired, but uh, you know, you have two superstars in the same team. Right. And so, um, cause D book could be a one on a championship team. I really believe that he's proven it already. Right. Um, so it, it, that's that, you know, <laughs> that's the thing about KD. KD's going to make sure his deck is stacked. KD going to do that. He's going to have a bunch of aces in his deck. He has, KD, like KD plays cards and has eight, all aces in the deck. He ain't got no numbers in there. He only got aces in there. That's just the way he likes to live his life. So, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. The more interesting thing is the, the Mavericks are backsliding. They're going to, they fell to eighth, the, uh, again, yesterday, I believe eighth, right. Um, they're backsliding now. Kyrie is, uh, he gonna be with us. He ain't getting to play. <laughs> I don't mind me. I'm not taking no enjoyment in that. It's gonna be a lot more twitches. Yeah, you're gonna be a lot of plenty, plenty of time talking about how you know kids are making kids in Cambodia are making Teslas, and you know, I'm not free if they're not free, and he's burning sage, and oh, you guys only see me for three hours, but you know me three hours. You ask all these legitimate questions, you guys have only see me for three hours. Shut up, man. Shut shut, shut up. You heard him talk about genre. He said 12, 12 We know we're not gonna talk about 12 ski. We're not gonna talk about 12 ski. 
Oh my god, bro. We, we've know. all we've all made mistakes. I'm I'm gonna be down for my family and my friends. We ain't talking about 12 ski. Oh my god, bro. How do people sit there and listen to that Twitch? Yo, it's beautiful too though. Cause little by little the Lakers is moving up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Little by little, they might get they might mess around and get that six seed at this point. I believe it. Even with even with Bron not being there, oh, without Bron, yo, when Bron get there, this team is scary. This will be the best Lakers team he would have played on. I really hope he comes back. I know he will. He, he, you know, he's not he's not human, so I know he will. It's just a matter of time. But you know, I he come back and play with this group, they can make a run to the championship. I really believe that. I really, really believe they can make a run to the championship. He's just got to get back, get back healthy. Take your time. They can hold it down for you. Delo's back tomorrow. Austin Reeves is playing at an extremely high level. I love Austin Reeves, what he brings uh, as a ball handler. He's a, he's a hell of a player um, as well. And AD's playing at an MVP level. You keep it up. Schroeder is holding it down, doing a great job, playing great basketball for, for him um, too. So I, I love that team. And defensively, they're the best team in basketball defensively. They do a great – Since getting Vanderbilt, they are the number one defensive team – they might mess around with the fifth seat because looking at the standings, the Clippers, Golden State, Minnesota, and Dallas are all separated by a half a game. Yeah. And then the Lakers are only two and a half games back. Clippers, they – Russell Westbrook is a double agent. He's actually helping the Lakers out now. Golden State, they still trying to figure things out. Well, double agent. <laughs> they don't play good on the road. Minnesota, Cat still ain't even back. And Edwards by himself shooting shooting at 55 times a game. And then we just talked about Dallas. I can see Lakers moving up. I can see it. That's too busy with the woods. We're going to close it out with this one, right? Did y'all watch? I don't know if Greg got to it. I know Miles watched it. What was y'all takeaways on the uh, Chris Rock special? S- selective outrage. The title. Through the whole thing. I like that to turn. Honestly, I had to turn it off halfway because I was like, it was yeah. funny at first, and I'm like, Ooh, you, some of these jokes, it's kind of, kind of sad. Like you, you screaming to really enforce the, the joke, and it's not that funny. Like, I'm sure he was funny at some point in time, in the past, but like he was really capitalizing on the moment and trying to take those jokes out of Will Smith and who else did he make fun of? He made fun of the Kardashians. The Meghan Markle joke bothered me at my core. That pissed me off. I didn't like that joke at all. He makes he makes jokes for white people who have that one black friend. That's that's what that's that's Chris that's Chris Rock. That's his image. That's the thing man. I I he, he's been doing that his, his whole career his whole career he's been doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing in front of white people. Yeah. Like he, he mentioned he mentioned Will Smith shouldn't have did that. No, you've been doing stuff your whole career that you shouldn't be doing in front of white people. It was so mid. It was so so mid. And he is not he's not healed from that situation. No. If you I know you ain't finished it, Miles, but I'm I'm sure you saw the Twitter clips. He, it wasn't like he was making a joke out of it. You could tell he was hurt. That man's still angry, rightfully so. 
he is still angry, but it wasn't funny. Like, it, it wasn't funny at all. Once he got to the Will Smith stuff, it wasn't funny. I'm like, and you're making it, to me, he made matters worse because I'm like, all you're doing now, again, is picking on Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, how you go from Will Smith smacked you and you're, you're slut-shaming his wife instead of instead of going at Will. I I, I don't want – he called Will – you know, he, he had some words for Will, obviously. He came at Will's manhood, all right, but – he slapped he slapped you. You ain't do <laughs> so I if Will if Will's what you say he is, what are you? I don't understand. I I just don't get that. But man, I'm not look, look, the biggest takeaway for me with of that is Chris Rock really panders to white people in a way that makes me very uncomfortable. I, I I'm not a fan of it. Uh he jokes about things that aren't. That as a black person, you shouldn't be joking about. You shouldn't be joking about Meghan Markle's experience with racism in the royal family. Um, he, he, the joke was that black people are, are colorists and they worry about what color maybe should be. So how is she a victim? Do you know how many Republican pundits and all that you made happy when you made that joke, bro? Because we talk about taking the victim, the 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 victim like nature away from from people who are in these situations and all that stuff. He was a victim himself. He don't want to own up to it. I'm saying, I'm saying, and there's that clip of him saying the N word around, uh, around, uh, you know, Bill Burr and all those comedians and Seinfeld's the one who has to step up and tell them to chill out in that room. A white dude has to tell him to chill out. You know, stop saying it while y'all wilding. Like, really, but not you. Hey, man, I, I, I don't find him funny. I'm glad Will Smith smacked him. To be honest. <laughs> You know, he's 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 a piece of work, that guy, for real, man. I mean, and and, and it makes you think, like, I, everybody hates Chris. All them racist jokes from that little white teacher. He probably wrote all them junks. So dude's smiling, writing them junks up. Like, he's just, he, he's, I, 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 he's not a guy that I can, I can respect. I think that's kind of the way I see it. Like, I just, I don't like the way he leverages his blackness to pander to white people to make them laugh, like, you're clearly you're that's your target audience. They ain't about making black folk laugh. I'll tell you that right now. The black person ain't finding none of these jokes funny. Uh, I, that's that's kind of the way I see it. That's it's just it's sad. He's a broken man. And I I feel the same way. The respect has left the building for Deion Sanders. The same the interview that he had mm -hmm. and joking about he wanted you know for his quarterbacks he wanted you know two parent household and never been in trouble saying this in front of a bunch of white people and one black guy there who obviously he thought it was just hilarious what he was saying. Hmm. The respect for Dion has gone. Everybody that was, you know, upset about him for leaving and calling him a coon and we hope he doesn't succeed. I ain't gonna go that far and say, I hope he don't succeed, but ain't no support over here on anymore with Dion. I can't, I, I can't support it. That was very Chris rock us. It was, I, I ain't gonna call him a coon, but it's right on the borderline. If, if it quack, you might have to call it a dude. Also, if you're quarter, if you're looking for quarterbacks that got you know a uh, uh, nice uh, American two you know two parent family, why is your son playing quarterback for you? You're not with his mom. Walking contradiction. I understand that, right? Give me a break, bro. Dion. That's the thing about people defending Dion too when it was when he was going from. Uh, you know, why am I forgetting? I forgot, it's his fault. I already forgot the school, uh, the name of the school because he left <laughs> Jackson State. Because <laughs> he went from Jackson State to uh, Colorado, 
and everybody's defending him. Why can't he do what he wants to do? He did. He did enough for that black for that black school. He did enough for the school. No, it was never about that, man. He ain't about. He ain't no savior. He ain't. He ain't somebody who's trying to push black people forward in any real way, man. That guy is he about. He's about Deion Sanders. That's who he's about. Deion's about Deion. So give me a break. Another clown. Another clown, man. There's a lot of clowns out there. It's a clown show. Well, y'all see this third. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Bitch, mob, ENT, we out. Peace. Peace.